Hello, and welcome to the Relatable Homeschoolers Podcast, where four homeschooling mamas with a combined 32 years of experience homeschooling our 12 kids, and our homeschools are anything but Pinterest perfect. Whether you are a veteran homeschooler, a new homeschooler, or just homeschool curious, we want to encourage you in your homeschooling journey and offer you practical tips and tools to make your homeschooling life easier. We're so glad you're here. I'm Harmony Harkema. My co-hosts are Annie Carlson, Heather Gerwing, and Lindsay Hufford. Welcome, everyone. My name is Annie Carlson. We are so glad you're here with us today. It can be really daunting to think about homeschooling your kids, whether you're doing it by choice or you're forced into it with some sort of global pandemic. And taking some time to just think about your family, think about what you're wanting out of this homeschool experience can really help make decision making easier later on. One of the first things that we need to do is understand our why. Why is it that we want to homeschool? So Harmony, what do you think about your why? Can you share with us your why? You know, I grew up in a traditional public school, read all the canon books and just had, I'd call it a traditional public school experience. And when I came to my post-college life, I realized that there were just a lot of gaps. There were a lot, there was a lot of great literature I hadn't read. I didn't have a handle on subjects like art history and classical music and a thorough understanding of the Bible and that mattered to me. And so I kind of started, I guess, self-teaching. And I really started to think about wanting my kids to have have an education that was broader than I had. So that was a big motivator to me. Charlotte Mason refers to it as spreading the feast so that you just give your kids a really broad range of truth, goodness, and beauty through different subject areas. And that was what I really started to envision for my kids. I didn't know initially that it was Charlotte Mason that I was looking for, but when I finally found her approach, I knew that that fit in with what I was envisioning for my family. And I learned a alongside my kids. And it's been a huge joy to dive into the subjects that I didn't have exposure to as as a child. This is Lindsay. And I would echo a lot of the things that Harmony stated. And when I think about our why of homeschooling, a lot of it comes back to being a partner in my kids' education, being a coach. I like to think of myself as a coach more so than a teacher because they're teaching me just as much as I'm teaching them. And we're learning a lot of things side by side instead of me being the ultimate source of information. They teach me just as many things as I teach them, I think. And then also letting my kids learn at their own pace, not the pace that we have made up. I have some really different learning styles going on in my family. And I also have a daughter who has dyslexia. So letting her learn at her own pace especially when it comes to reading, has just really been a gift. And I recently asked her, you know, would you ever want to go to public school? And she said, no. And I, so I asked her why. She said, well, I'd have to take tests and I would be really stressed out because I might not have enough time to read them. And it was just really eye-opening to me that even at nine, and she's never had a day in a public school setting, but she already realizes that there's some stress involved when you are outside of those norms that are imposed by the system. Yeah, I would reiterate all of the above. I think mostly for me, our family's why is that it's just undeniably what I felt called to do. I never thought I would be a homeschool mom. I never thought homeschool would be our life. But here we are with my oldest going into high school and having never stepped foot in a real school. It has just become our way of life. And now that I look back and I look at these, you know, eight plus kindergarten plus preschool years that 
I've had with her and the time that I've gained being with her and the time that my kids have all gained being together is just priceless, right? I look at that and it's just it's the dynamic that I want for our family, the time together to learn together, to grow together, to be the iron that sharpens each other. Well, do you all feel like your why has expanded over the years? Like my initial why is now not my only why. I probably have like 20 whys. Oh, <laughs> yeah, absolutely. If I really dive into it, you know, and it's all <laughs> the things that you've said too. You come to realize I can keep them home with me. I don't have to send them away seven hours a day. I don't have to contend with technology battles that some of my friends have to contend with with their kids, like the desire for cell phones and Snapchat and all this other rigmarole that kids are kids are dealing with. We're Christians and I having my kids have a spiritual education as part mm-hmm. of their education. It doesn't drive every single thing that we do, but that's important to me too. And we spend time every day doing that as well. So those sure. have become wise as well. And they, I didn't really start in that space. Every sure. reason I have heard from the three of you has been a positive reason. And you know, you guys have all heard it too. People talk to us about homeschooling. I think I'm going to homeschool because I don't want my kids to be involved in a school shooting or I don't want my kids to be bullied at school. And they are desiring to homeschool more out of fear than out of a positive space. If I could give a piece of advice to someone considering homeschooling, always have your whys be positive. Because on those hard days, and we'll all tell you, there are hard days, you need to focus on those positives. We're getting this time together. I have the opportunity to correct this behavior or to repair this relationship between my children or whatever is happening. One of the surprise sort of side blessings has been, and I wouldn't have called this a why initially, I wasn't even really thinking about it, is that my daughters who are three years apart are really each other's best friend. Even with their age difference, because they're together, they're each other's main playmate. I have friends who grew up and they were always at odds with their siblings and they weren't close once they hit public school because you form friend groups within your class age group. There was a diversion then, a disruption in that relationship. And I'm just amazed by how close my daughters are. That sibling bond is really incredible. And that is thanks to homeschooling. Yeah. uh, I'm so glad that you brought that up, Annie, because I know, like you said, on the hard days, if you're homeschooling out of fear, that is not going to get you through those hard days. And I believe it's Pam Barnhill who talks about her book, um, Plan Your Year, about coming up with your elevator pitch for homeschooling, you know, yes. if you had to tell somebody like why you're homeschooling, but to do that just as much for yourself as you would to explain to someone the reason why you homeschool so that you can have that at the forefront of your mind on those hard days. Yeah, absolutely. Having a mission statement to go back to on the hard days. I remember sitting down <laughs> with my husband years and years and years ago, writing down a mission statement for why we were home in schooling, like what was the purpose behind it? What was the intentionality for us doing this? And having that why and coming back to that mission statement has been valuable. So how do we encourage parents who are feeling maybe forced into this direction? How do we encourage them with a why that is beyond, we're in a pandemic and that's my why? Mm -hmm. (laughs) It's hard. I I feel for them being in this position. Yeah. And I think it's good to acknowledge, you know, that this isn't for a lot of people this year. This is not their first choice. They would much rather send their kids to school. One thing that I've been telling some friends who have reached out to me and have said, I really wish I wasn't in this position having to make 
this decision is to look at it this way. It may only last one year or maybe even less than a year. Who knows? Maybe one semester, but this is time with your kids that you'll never get back. And to just try to make the best of it. We have had some really difficult homeschooling years and we've had some really great ones too, but always in hindsight, I am thankful that we continue to do it because of the relationships and the different things that we've gone through together as a family. And maybe it's a matter of reframing, like instead of saying, I'm going to homeschool because I'm afraid of my kids getting sick. I don't want them to get the virus. Maybe it's saying, I want to treasure my children. I want to steward their health and their well-being. I want to keep them in the safe, protected space for a time. And you put it in, in more positive language. And then it becomes something more comforting rather than something fearful. Mm-hmm. Right. Instead of being, I'm afraid they'll get sick at school, I'm prioritizing my children's health and well-being and choosing to homeschool. Yeah, to protect that. So if we've made our list of why, and we're pretty excited to be able to add to that list, like we have done through the years, it's also important to know who we're going to be working with, right? Who we're going to be educating in this homeschool of ours and what works for the homeschool family that we know or what works for one of our children may not work for any of the others. So getting to know our kids, can you guys share some stories of your kids' learning styles and approaches that you've had to take because we have different people in our homeschool? So our family started out homeschooling as part of a classical education co-op that in the early years was focused on a lot of memorization. We would sing these little songs to memorize history sentences and it worked fine for a while. But I realized about two years in that while my children were good at the memorization. It wasn't really what they enjoyed doing. And we are all voracious readers in our household. So the year after that, we switched to some very literature heavy types of homeschooling. I would not call us eclectic because we use things from several different homeschooling philosophies. But knowing that my kids love books and they learn so much from books It was an easy choice once I kind of put those pieces of the puzzle together, but it took a while of studying my kids and really thinking about not only how they learn, but also how I prefer to teach because the classical method wasn't great for my method of teaching either. And we're all so much happier now that we do so much more literature study. There are different personalities and personality plays a big part in deciding how you're going to do things. You may have an extrovert and an extreme introvert. You may have one that wants you to sit and do everything with them and one that wants you to just tell me what to do and let me go and I'll bring you back what I've done when I'm done or we can talk about it later. You can adjust kid by kid. It's knowing your kids. And honestly, you don't need to be a teacher or have a degree in education. No one knows your kids better than you do. So you're going to be able to find the right thing for them because you know them. If you're doing that work of figuring out how to make the curriculum fit your family rather than making your family fit a curriculum or an approach, I'm going to quote Charlotte Mason again. She says, children are born persons. We all know our kids are born persons. They come out with personalities and aptitudes and likes and dislikes, and you can start seeing it from time that they start toddling around the house. You can find a way to honor those things and to work with them with an approach that works for for each one. 
Yeah. And there's so many different styles from even just being like, I have one kid who wants a list of everything that we have to do in a week. So they can look at the list and they can check it off. I have another kids just waking up in the morning, like, what are we going to do today? And then I have one who definitely learns best when it's auditory. She needs to hear it. She can't just read the book. She needs the auditory. But then I have another kid who will fall asleep if she's trying to listen to it and actually needs to physically read the book. So there's so many different types of personality styles and learning styles and no kid is going to be the same. My youngest, I don't think has ever sat in a desk (laughs) ever. She would perch on top of it to do like her handwriting, but that was about it. Mm -hmm. And one of my best friends is our neighbor. She's alternately taught kindergarten and second grade at our local school. And so we talk education quite a bit. I told her the year my daughter would have been in her second grade class, I said, Jessica, you love Eleanor like your own. Even you who gets her, who loves her, you would be calling me because (laughs) she could not sit in a desk and would be highly offended that you asked her. (laughs) Why would you think I would sit in this desk? So she's a very kinesthetic learner. Mm-hmm. She's got to do jumping jacks to her math facts. She's got to make the letters with her arms and the floor. She has to be in the learning. Whole body physically. learning. Yes. Yeah. So into it. But my son is an auditory learner. And oh my gosh, he's got to talk about it. Do you know how much I know about World War II? A lot. because he needs to talk about it. And my oldest is a visual learner. She's got to see it. She wants it demonstrated. Mom, do that example problem with me. And then she's got it. And so I have three very different children. If I say, okay, we're all going to do jumping jacks to our math facts today. My auditory learner looks at me like, why in the (laughs) world do I have to jump? Knowing your kids and knowing what is going to work with them and what's going to key them in on something just eliminates so much. Like, I keep trying this and nobody likes it. Mm-hmm. I had to learn to let go of preconceptions too. Like, I went into this and I was like, we're never going to use workbooks. My daughters love workbooks. They want a workbook for everything. Can we have a spelling workbook? Can we have a math workbook? There's something about this satisfaction in completing a page, checking it off and turning to the next page. So now I just buy them all the workbooks they want. And I'm like, take the workbooks, do the workbooks. It's good. And then we still read books and we still do all the rest too, but I've learned not to deny them. If they want workbooks, they can have workbooks. You know what I've had to let go of that just pains me? Because every few months I'll pull it back out and try it again. And my kids are like, no, I would really like for my kids to do notebooking where you have the folded papers, the accordion folds and the matchbox folds and, and make it into a big folder book of learning. Like a lap book? Yes. Oh, no. <laughs> I would, I would I love for my kids. See, here's what it's from. And I, I fully admit this. Because I have sat with this. Annie, why is this so important to you? Why can you not let this go? It's the public teacher training in me, right? It's the education degree in me that's saying you have to demonstrate learning. You have to have something you can hold to demonstrate learning. So I think, oh, this notebooking, this lap booking, this will demonstrate to the grandparents that they indeed have learned all about (laughs) Island of the Blue Dolphins. Like, no. And I just have to let it go. Let it go, Annie. Let it go. go. (laughs) 
my own personal failing. I've learned. It's a lot of work to toss aside that public school teacher training. Yes. And oh, Harmony, how many people say to you, oh, it must be easier for you. You're a teacher. Oh, mm-hmm. yeah. And then I have to tell them I had to unlearn all oh, of it. Like I had to I conscientiously think. unlearn all of those things. You know, And you were hard in college to become a teacher. That was some of the hardest That's... work I ever did to get my certificate. It was tough. You had to design unit studies for imaginary kids and do all this work. Yep. And I don't know why I didn't quit that. <laughs> before I was done and I persevered and then I left anyway. (laughs) I had to unlearn all those concepts that you have to demonstrate learning or you have specific kinds of achievement and tests and Mm -hmm. yeah. Yeah. It gets in the way. That's what I tell people. Well, and what we would like to believe is that learning is a linear process, right? Mm -hmm. That it proceeds equally on the X and Y axis and gives you a nice straight diagonal line, which we know when you have children, that's not true. That it looks more like a hockey stick. You can just be straight, just straight line and then zoom, they just take off. Mm. Yeah. I think another thing you have to do is to is let go of the idea of failure coming out of school. You think about not if they will get there, it's when they will get there. Mm-hmm. At some point they will get there. And you find the right approach that will help them get there, but not on any hard timeline. Yeah. In our family, we just try to look at failure as it's just an opportunity to try again. I know a little earlier, we talked a little bit just about letting go of that achievement mindset that we get from school and then it's continued on in our workplaces. So, so much of my self-worth as a child and even as an adult was wrapped up in my grades and in my achievement. And I am now seeing that as an adult and, you know, doing a lot of healing work around that. But I'm just glad that my kids will not have that same correlation between their worth and their achievement. Because at our house, if you mess up or if you fail at something, you just get to try at it again until you get it right. Or if it's something that you don't need, you can just leave it behind because we don't need to be perfect at everything. Another thing that can influence the approach that we would take with homeschool or how we're going to structure this thing we're calling homeschool is our family culture, our family environment, our family priorities. The four of us, as we've said on almost every episode, have very different structures, very different family lives, very different work lives. How has your approach to homeschool been influenced by your family's culture, your environment, and your priorities? think for us, even just recently, I got a lot of comments at the beginning of the pandemic and the quarantine, like, oh, well, not a lot has changed for you. You're already homeschooled. And while, yes, I didn't have the adjustment that public school families had, it was still a big adjustment on our family. You know, our co-op went to virtual classes and all of my kids' activities were canceled. But with that, now that we are months out from that, we've come to realize, okay, we like being home as a family. We appreciate not running around four nights a week to different activities. And now that some things are starting to be gradually added back in, we are now weighing those against what our life has become like through the pandemic and the shutdown and the quarantine, because we don't want to get back to where we were with running ourselves ragged. Like I used to joke that I was an Uber mom driving my kids everywhere. So for us now, it's kind of like taste in the sweet life, how nice it can be being at home and not having an overpacked calendar and a schedule. It's helping us reframe how going forward is going to look. We're experiencing a lot of the same stuff as Heather's family. Before 
the pandemic, I would have not have said our family led a very busy life. We were involved in some church activities and we generally allow our kid to do one outside of the home evening activity per season per kid. Some of those actually end up being during the day, which is another nice thing about homeschooling is we get to get some of our activities done during the day. But when everything stopped, we had the same realization that even though by typical American standards, our family wouldn't have been considered busy, we are really enjoying the slower pace and it's been a good fit for us. And we just like Heather's family are going to be kind of evaluating what we let back in. And then some other family culture things that I think impact our homeschooling are the fact that I am able to do a mostly seasonal job of flower farming and I'm able to work at that pretty much full time in the summer because that's a slower homeschool season for us. We do do school year round. That's a shift that we've made over the past probably two years to a six weeks of schooling on and one week off schedule. But in the summer, my kids are mostly just focusing on a little bit of language arts and a little bit of math. Other than that, they're free for the day. My approach is, I feel like I want to talk about it from a different angle. I've just always been a book lover. I was a book nerd as a kid. Books were huge to me. And so a living books approach really, really appealed to me. And one of the things I did not love was teaching from textbooks when I was teaching school. And I really wanted to get away from textbooks and to have a literature rich curriculum, not only for language arts, but for history and science and all the other subjects where you can bring books into, into your school, which can cover everything from art history to music study, geography. So everything we do is based in what we call living books, meaning they're narrative books. So rather than textbook on the American Revolution, you have a more of a storybook about it. It's nonfiction, it's all factual, but it's it's told in story form. It's a story-rich learning environment. And I really, really love that. And what we're not so good at is science experiments besides baking. Although my daughter likes to, um, she had a thrill last week blowing up a bottle of Coke with a pack of Mentos in the front yard. <laughs> so that's more my weakness. My oldest is eight and she loves to do kitchen science experiments. So I buy her the books. And I'm like, here you go, figure it out see what you need and then do the experiment and she'll take it and run with it. Living books and wanting a literature rich curriculum really drove me. It works because I love reading. So it's not a chore. Mm. It never feels like work to me. It's a joy. And so people will ask me, well, how do you work a, a 40 hour a week job and homeschool? And I'm like, yeah, but I love the homeschooling. <laughs> so we fit it in around everything else. It works too with my personality, their personality. So far, they're both book lovers. So I guess I lucked out. I don't know what I'd do if I didn't have a book lover. For us, we're seasonal, you know, similar to Lindsay, that the summertime is really busy. I school year round it's because each day can look different on the farm. When I first started, I was going to be uber organized and we were going to have assigned school times. Mm. And I got a great book, uh, Managers of Their Homes. I forget where it's from. I'll link it in the show notes. It's just a great scheduling resource. And this type A Enneagram one, I love a good schedule. And then I am a farmer. And if the pigs got out, then that wrecked my schedule. Mm -hmm. And there was no schedule for the pigs. <laughs> so I kind of had to throw that away. Again, talking about something that I really wanted to love and it just doesn't work for us. So our family goes more with a rhythm. And so my kids get their schoolwork a week at a time. And if we have one busy day in the week, you know, we have that on the calendar and they can look and see, okay, so Tuesday we are calling calves 
to the butcher. I do not have time to do schoolwork on Tuesday, so that means I need to spread it out to my other days. And I think it really helps my kids with time management to look at our week, to look at our schedule and say, this is when I need to get it done because we have a busy weekend planned or something like that. I didn't want to have a daily, they had to have this done before they could go to bed or eat supper or whatever. I wanted more of a weekly try and plan our weeks. And you take a more self-directed learner approach, right? Where the kids are really driving. Yep. They work at their own pace, which is why I school year round because there's never a good stopping point. When my oldest is done with math, my second one is halfway through his book. So we just keep going. Summer is lighter. I don't ask them to do any kind of extra stuff. Foreign languages, for example, we don't do it in the summer, but we will keep up with math. This summer, we're working on poetry for our copy work and just talking about structure of poems. And then they're always reading. They have their reading list to work through. I could not manage work every single day. Was it Lindsay that said she's more of a guide? I couldn't make a new map every single day. I can do weeks at a time. I take a Sunday evening and line out six weeks worth of work. And I do that, of course, every six weeks. It gives me a breath I don't have to worry about, oh my gosh, what's he doing tomorrow for reading? We all know what he's doing tomorrow for reading, including him. We're busy. Like we've we got a farm to run and a business to run. And I didn't have time to make a homeschooling curriculum lesson plan my third business. Yeah, I hear you on having to let go of the schedule because I too am type A and I thrive off schedules and checklists and all that stuff. But I will say that I like your word rhythm. We don't have a schedule. We don't stick to a certain time, but we have a routine for our day. Because I'm homeschooling four kids, they all do their math online. I need to rotate through. Okay, you're going to be on the computer doing this and you're going to be on the other computer doing this. And then I'm going to work with these two. And so we have a routine of how we go through different subjects and different things throughout the day because we have to use technology for some. But yeah, I had to let go of, okay, from 8 to 8.45, we're going to do our language lessons. Doesn't work like that at all. And I don't have pigs running loose. It still doesn't work like that. As we kind of conclude this topic of finding a homeschool approach, I think we have all well explained how we've changed over the past years and our experiences have led us to find new ways that have worked in that time and place. And so a question I have for each of us is what is the best change that you have made in your homeschool? For us, I think it was adopting a more relaxed approach, just like you guys talked about with the scheduling versus the routine, being a little more open-handed with what learning looks like, realizing if we don't get everything marked off the list for the day, that's okay. We'll eventually get done what we need to get done and we just have grace for the rest. Yeah, I would agree with that. I would say being flexible having the personality that I have and not liking change and wanting to say that we checked everything off. I've definitely had to learn to be flexible and to know that my kids are going to be okay if I don't get every single box checked off. Yeah, I could say that too. I think also this year is the the first year that my little one, she's actually four, she was demanding to join the fray. And part of me wanted to say, no, we need to wait. You don't really have to start school yet. And then I was just like, no, you know, if she wants to do it, we're just going to do it. And so bringing her into our school life, I had to figure out this year what subjects we can do as a family. We've got multiple kids with multiple ages, certain things they're not going to be able to do together, but art study, and I'm talking about 
about like studying artists, looking at paintings, composers, music, time that we study the Bible together, songs and stories, fairy tales, all of those things can be done together. And so I've just brought my little one into school because she wanted to. So I kind of tossed out my ideas that she could wait and said, if this is what you want to do, then let's let you lead and and really embrace that child-led motivation of hers. I'll piggyback off of that, Harmony. My youngest, I always tell my husband, she will be our greatest challenge and our greatest joy. She is a firecracker. We call her the spark plug of our family. She was not going to learn to read. Nope. Wasn't going to learn. Didn't need to. If I need something read, the older two will read it for me. I don't need to learn to read. And again, as her mother, I was worried that we were eight years old and could not read. Like, could I have tied her to the chair and forced her to read? Yes. But at what cost to our relationship? Letting go and learning to read my kids. And when she was ready, she read in two days. So letting my kids tell me when they're ready. So we do a lot of copy work. That was kind of their spelling training. So my older two came to me and said, do you think like we know that we're doing spelling when we do our copy work, but could we have extra spelling? So I got them a little spelling curriculum and they just think it's so cool that they have spelling. For me, it's been just letting my kids direct their learning, ask me for what they need. And sometimes I have to give them nudges, but they're really ready when they tell me they're ready. You've been listening to the Relatable Homeschoolers podcast. Thanks so much for joining us. You can find links to all the books and resources we mention on the show at our website, therelatablehomeschoolers.com. We would love to hear your homeschooling questions. You can email us at therelatablehomeschoolers at gmail.com. You can also connect with us on Facebook and Instagram at The Relatable Homeschoolers. We'd love it if you leave a rating and review for us on iTunes. It only takes a minute and we'll ensure more homeschooling mamas get to hear our show. We'll be back with another episode soon. Until then, happy homeschooling schooling.